Alrighty, folks. Well, we are rolling into our last segment here of episode 61. Uh, please go ahead and listen to our last two segments where we break down all the news in uh, today's baseball in regards to we discussed uh, the Bobby Witt Jr. extension. Uh, Vinny, we talked about the Corbin Burns trade. And we talked about as well the White Sox and some of the moves that they had going on. Uh, and then you did a wonderful job, first time leading the show with the talking about the Red Sox here in this last segment where we broke down everything we're going to see here from this year and maybe as to why the Red Sox aren't doing all the wrong things and they might be doing the right things moving forward. But Vinny, we're going to talk about a team now that has been a circus the last couple of years. Steve Cohen, uh, for many that, for any people that don't know, Steve Cohen is a billionaire on billionaire on billionaire when it comes to the amount of money that this guy has, who is now the owner of the New York Mets. Last offseason, we saw a flurry of moves with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander that were extreme contracts that we all kind of said, wow, this is amazing, but these guys are older and some things can go wrong. Well, we saw, of course, those flurry of moves be made at the trade deadline last season where we saw Verlander be traded to the Astros, Scherzer be traded over to the Rangers, and also, too, a lot of money that is still going to be on the books here for the Mets in 2024. Vinny, just your thoughts on just everything that's happened here for uh these fans because this has just been crazy yeah you you use the right word i think um the right word is circus it's it's been a circus to be a mets fan i'm sure over these last uh this last couple years especially but um you know this last season has been extremely telling um you know again another team just like we mentioned with the red Sox, and i think this is kind of we're getting into that middle tier of teams right we started with some kind of bad teams throughout our team breakdown this team when you look at it on paper has quite a bit of talent and you know you can't ignore some of the age right guys like starling Marte, you know needs to stay healthy um, but then they have a lot of youth like francisco alvarez brett Beatty. so they're kind of in again another team that's just in a weird little are you competing are you not now they've been vocal about the fact that they are not going to compete until 2025. Um, that's kind of why we saw some of the stuff with Scherzer and Verlander go down the way that that did. Um, so I don't expect them to be competitive this year. I think um, I'd actually be surprised if we don't see Pete Alonso traded at some point. Um, but I know that they've also said that they don't really want to. So we'll see. I think it'd be kind of silly of them to sit on their hands and just let Pete walk. So expect either an extension or a trade there um so yeah i mean there's just a lot of things that you know the mets probably should do um but you know how they go about it and what their timeline looks like is is kind of a mystery so it's definitely one of the more confusing or tougher teams that i think will break down as to you know their progress forward because um for those reasons i just laid out plus a few more that we'll dive into but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to maybe talk some specifics. What do you got? CM, you just joined us as well. To everyone that tuned in, uh, CM was able to join us for 
uh, all the news we broke down here over the last week. So great to have you back, buddy. You had a little bit of a dinner break there, which is well-deserved. You're back on the mic here. We're talking New York Mets. We're talking what we like to call a circus of a last couple of years for this organization with Steve Cohen basically kind of saying, okay, maybe I should try and build this organization from the bottom up. And lo and behold, they end up making a lot of moves that a lot of people agreed with. What were, what have, what has sort of been your, you know, from, from what you've seen thus far from the Mets and the Steve Cohen era, what have been your thoughts? Cause the first initial thought for me is, wow, this is like, we just said a circus and everything, but do you think it's just been a growing experience in the essence of like how baseball works for Steve Cohen? I don't even know what to make of it or what to call it. It's been a very unfortunate series of events for him um, to come in and, and try and do, do damage in a big way and really make the checkbook speak um, <clears throat> as to what he was going to do and it has backfired significantly i mean scherzer you know ended up getting traded in the middle of last year after they got him in um on a big deal verlander ended up getting traded in the middle of last year um nothing has really worked out for steve cohen the way that he thought it might um I think it, he just needs to get back in and go with the young guys and grow them up or maybe not try and make such a big splash in the market and go pick out little pieces, which it looks like he's tried to do a bit more this year um, as far as getting a couple of maybe mid-level mid free agents um, and plugging them in and trying to find the right fit. So was it a bit of a, a learning lesson for him? Maybe it was, um, but I'll be real curious to see what happens this year with the Mets and especially just because I jumped in there when Vince was going um, about Pete Alonzo. I think that is going to be a very interesting um, and kind of the telltale sign I think of what he's going to do moving forward with that organization. Absolutely. Well, let's get into what this team is looking like right now per fan graphs, what it's looking like here for the 2024 season across the outfield. Okay. Brandon Nimmo over in left center field. They got Harrison Bader, who was a free agent signing from this last or from this uh, past off season. Uh, and then in right, they have Starling Marte who has been, We'll see. Uh, again, circus is the word here. Been a little bit of a circus. If he doesn't get injured in those playoffs a couple of years ago, who knows? You know, that's that's for a different story. But across the infield, Brett Beatty at third. Francisco Lindor over at short. Jeff McNeil over at second base. And, of course, we just mentioned him at first base. Pete Alonzo, an upcoming free agent. That'll be a very intriguing conversation here as the, as the season goes on. Right now, slated at the DH is DJ Stewart. Now, what's really sucks, and I and I, I mean this because as a baseball fan, I think we can all agree um, 
that when we saw that Ronnie Mauricio was injured in the Dominican Winter League, or I forget the specific Winter League that he was playing in, first off, hats off to him for going and trying to get better, right? And going and playing ball and trying to get to a level where he was going to be, um, you know, a legitimate piece to this team this year. And unfortunately, he is out probably for the entirety of the year. So that was really hard to see. But bench-wise, Joey Wendell, Joey Wendell comes in as more of a veteran presence, can just play as a you know as a platoon guy. Tyrone Taylor in the outfield. Mark Vientos is a very intriguing bat to watch this year. I know that he's not slated right now as the DH, but maybe throughout some other lineups and other uh, maybe against left-handers, so maybe throw him in there uh, more often. But that'll be a really interesting season is that do they just let him go? I mean, let DJ Stewart kind of sit more on the bench and be able to an outfielder. And of course, Omar Navarez, which you can always put, you know, balls in the, in the seat. So Vinny, your first kind of take as you hear that entire depth chart here for uh, the 2024 season for the Mets. Yeah. I mean, if anything, they're lucky because they have two of the best anchors in baseball, right? Francisco Lindor, who just, had his first 30-30 season, like phenomenal for him um, and just for any player in general. And then Pete Alonso at first base, like those are two of the most secure, safe stud players that you're going to find on any any team in baseball. Um, But then they have a few question marks. Harrison Bader is a little bit of a question mark. Brandon Nimmo, I think we know what we're going to get from Nimmo, but is he, you know, much of an impact? We'll see. Brett Beatty is another one. You know, he had some very high prospect pedigree coming into this time last season and just hasn't panned out yet. You mentioned Mark Vientos, and I I do think he is going to take that DH spot. I could even see and take see him taking that third base spot from Brett Beatty. I mean, just looking at his AAA numbers from last year, he played in 61 games in AAA last year. He hit 16 home runs and hit 306 with a 612 slugging percentage. So the dude can mash a baseball and, you know, we know that the Mets like guys who can mash baseballs. So, um, you know, very excited to see Mark Vientos and Francisco Alvarez. Hopefully he figures out his strikeout issues. Um, you know, he, he strikes out a little bit too much, but again, another guy with huge power potential seem has potential, but they got to kind of get off that fence, right? Like they, they have to sign a few more guys or, you know, really start to go for a rebuild because this team isn't good enough to beat the Braves. They're not good enough to beat the Phillies. I dare say, don't even know if they're good enough to beat the Marlins. We'll see. But, um, you know, they got some, they got some questions to answer. Also some very exciting prospects that we'll dive into at some point, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my, my take on that roster right now. Sam, what are your thoughts, buddy? I don't really know what to think about it. I think Vince hit all the main talking points on the head pretty well. Um, <clears throat> as far as where the holes are, what is their biggest, I guess, question marks um, and where their consistency is going to come from. I think I'm pretty curious to see what happens at the catching position just because those are two guys that I think have pretty similar styles um, when they play. And I think most of the 
uh, you know, appearances are going to go to Alvarez, but um, I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting team for sure. They're in kind of a, a weird spot right now, just in that division, because they do have, you know, two of the probably top two of the top five teams, I would say in the national league um, and a Marlins team who, who knows, I mean, what, what we're going to see from them. So I think it's going to be a pretty weird year for the Mets on the offensive side of things for sure. Well, you know, you mentioned him and I, and I didn't even mention him uh, as, as a podcasting host. I apologize. Uh, but as a podcasting host, I'm going to flip this a little bit and say, I didn't want to bring up Francisco Alvarez because now I want to talk about Francisco Alvarez, because I think in my personal opinion, if right now, you know, Vinny, Vinny, I know you and I have kind of done some tier rankings, kind of figuring out, hey, where do these guys slot and everything like that. Ali Rutschman, of course, is the number one catcher in the game. There's no doubt about it. But you talk about from an offensive standpoint, right now the Fangraphs has Alvarez projected for 24 bombs. The way that I saw Alvarez last year was a guy that said, I'm about to take I'm about to take this over. This is my spot. This is my position. Now that kind of maybe all of the expectations have sort of dwindled across the organization from the standpoint of we're trading players away. Guys like Pete Alonso are likely going to go. I can see this type of player with the way that he handles things. I can see this guy really, really taking off. And I'm talking maybe like a 30 home run season. Vinny, I don't know your thoughts there on Alvarez, but I love his swing. I think it's short and compact. and He's got a lot of pop. Yeah, I think offensively, Alvarez would slot into tier two, tier three of catchers pretty easily. And, you know, 24 home runs, if anyone watched him last year, I think that feels pretty light, right? Like, I think he's he's going to be closer to 30 than he is going to be to 24. I will not be surprised if he goes past 30. He's just, he's he's got that 70 grade raw power, so... If he can figure out the hit to a little bit and keep the strikeout rate down, which he did. I mean, he struck out a 26% clip, which is pretty good. That's pretty solid for a power hitter. So I think he's got what it takes. Um, but I do think, and we haven't really touched on it. You know, we've said a lot of good things about their lineup, but I think their biggest question is their pitching, you know, their starting pitching in particular. So I'm curious to know what your guys' thoughts are on, you know, how are they going to combat that? And, do they have really anything to lean on there, um, especially in that bottom half of the rotation? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's rough, right? Now, Kodai Senga is is he's a star, and I think that they have really truly found their ace for the future. I think they're very very happy about that because of what happened with Justin Verlander and Scherzer leaving. So you got that in play. Severino is an easy, easy trade target based on the fact that your team is not necessarily in a spot probably this year. The rest of the rotation, I don't I don't want to say is is gonna be rough, but like Shaw Manaya, he'll just do Shaw Manaya things. He'll be a three or he'll be more of a four in that rotation. But Jose Quintana. Like, he's their their SP two right now. Just he's their SP two right <laughs> now, and that is terrifying. 
Like that is terrifying. And and if Cohen were to do anything, which I know Jaymont and Snell wouldn't do it just because they want to go win, but oh my God, make it look a little bit more, you know, pleasing. I actually would want fan graphs. Just just switch Severino and Quintana, make it look a little bit like let's just make it like a little bit more cute. Like, hey, look what we got, you know, type of thing. Um, because that's rough and it's not looking good. I CM, I don't see how this rotation. I mean, they're, they're in the NL East, the NL Beast, man. I just don't see how in the hell this rotation does anything this year. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, I think. <clears throat> um, I, I mean, Severino, I think, is a pretty decent signing for them, um, who I think probably when the season opens is going to end up being there, too, behind Senga. Quintana... I mean, didn't have necessarily a terrible year last year. He posted a 3-5, um, which isn't awful. But you know how it goes with him. Um, I mean, you guys do especially. It yeah. is hit or miss, um, and you never know. But what they do at the 4-5, I mean, there's Hauser, there's Peterson, there's McGill. There's a couple names that they can – play around with um, and see what happens. And who knows? I mean, maybe for the first couple months of the year, they try out a six man, a six man crew and go from there um, to see which one of those guys is going to step up. Cause I think, you know, Peterson's not really come into his own yet. um, But if he gets back into the way that he was in college at Oregon, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, and who knows what happens with some of those other arms, I mean, and what they wind up doing there. But I think, you know, having Diaz back will be good. And then they boost bolstered their bullpen up a little bit the other day with the Fujinami deal. So that could be a good play for them, too, in the long haul. The And, and that's a great point you bring up there because that was something that I wanted to address. They've made a heck of a lot of moves to their bullpen. Um Adam Adovino comes back, of course. I know that's not necessarily a new move, but people didn't see that happening. They brought back Brooks Raley. They obviously have Drew Smith in the bullpen, but then they brought in Jake Diekman. You mentioned him earlier, Fujinami, and Jorge Lopez, and they also uh, have Phil Bickford, uh, who came over in, um, I believe that was a trade. I believe it was a trade, and he's a nice little arm. You know, He was actually a nice arm in L.A. and before he came over, so... Um, a little bit on the older side when it comes to their bullpen, but I think a guy like Fujinami can be electric. I it, It's just really hard because your rotation just isn't at a premier level to make this bullpen look a lot better. And that's where I kind of struggle. It's like, okay, I get these moves. So you might just unfortunately be having a lot of these guys stretched out. Now, I heard this the other day on the Just Baseball show. Um, uh, Jack brought it up if you guys listen to that, but Jack made a great point. He said, if you're a team, you know, like the angels, for example, where you're maybe not in the running for, you know, a, a, a playoff spot, what's your best valuable asset sometimes at the trade deadline bullpen. And it was a great point that I didn't really think about where it's like, all right, well, if we have nothing else to add, we might as well add these smaller deals of guys that can pop off and have a 3.5 ERA. Um, you know, with a one, one, you know, with a one, one whip and boom, trade for a prospect, you build it back up. You just build up on your assets and everything. And and let's be honest, Steve Cohen, man, he's, he's willing to spend. So if, if they just 
keep building this uh, this prospect and this farm system and then build up with these other arms, I think things are going to look good, boys. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on the bullpen there before I get to their payroll? Not really um, their bullpen. I mean, the one thing I was just thinking as you were talking too, you know, when we talked about the Brewers earlier with the Corbin Burns stuff and their rotation, at least when they traded away Corbin Burns and they had a lot of question marks, at least they have guys in their pipeline that it's like, okay, maybe Mizorowski, maybe Gasser can work. The Mets just don't have anyone that you feel confident is going to work out, right? They've tried um, this this stuff with um, David Peterson and uh, McGill. Like, they just haven't worked out. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to see them have some better pitching development because, you know, they just haven't over the last three, four years. So, um, yeah, that's just something I thought of when we were talking about pitching for them. So, yeah, Christian. Yeah. Yeah, CM, you made your points about the bullpen there, and um, it's it's just – I think it's actually even more interesting than what they've done this offseason is their payroll situation, boys. So right now, you got Lindor for the foreseeable future. You still got to pay Marte $20 million again next year. You got Nimmo on the books for $20.5 million uh, beyond 2028. You got Edwin Diaz, which – fantastic move. Kodai Senga, which is turning into a great deal at $15 million a year. It's just, it, it just blows my mind that I didn't realize that they have some of these guys getting these types of, of, of deals and this kind of money. Now, the one that still kind of pisses me off is the Jeff McNeil deal because he's kind of got to step up this year. He had a down year last year. You know, he obviously, I think it was an NL batting title a couple of years ago. So like he's still, he's still got it, you know, in, in his bag. But, you know, after that, then, you know, they don't necessarily deal with any payroll issues. That's just why I just do not see them re-signing Pete Alonzo. I just don't. But what are your thoughts, Vinny, when you hear sort of this? It's it's a lot different than the Red Sox. Yeah, it's a lot different than the Red Sox. And even just, you know, I was thinking of the Royals, right? The Royals have Bobby Witt Jr. for 11 years and then Salvador Perez for like two years and that's, you know, that's it. Right. So looking at this team and they have, you know, four or five guys over the next, you know, five years is, is just kind of, it's, it's different, right. It's a different type of organizational strategy. And so, um, yeah, you mentioned some of the guys that I think need to step up that Brandon Nemo one. Look, I, Brandon Nemo is a great player. I'm not gonna, you know, he, he's, put together some terrific offensive seasons. He's hit, you know, um, over 274 the last four seasons. So he, he's got some value, over 135 WRC plus, um, or over 130 WRC plus. So he's been fine, but the amount of money that they pay some of them just to be fine doesn't really feel like they're getting some great value. So, um, you know, maybe that's why they step back from Scherzer and Verlander. Um, you know, Nimmo's one, Starling Marte, you mentioned he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, when he is healthy, he's, he's good, but, um, you know, you gotta be available for, for, to produce on the field. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, they have some good contracts. Like you mentioned the Sanga, I think Diaz is a fine deal, but then they have some ones that make you kind of go, 
eh, if they could shed this money, that would make them, you know, probably look a little bit different and they could use it to be more competitive. See, um, they also uh, do have to give Scherzer and Verlander both $20 million this year, another $17 million, $17.5 million next year to Verlander as well. James McCann is getting $8 million this year. And then the infamous Bobby Bonilla is still getting $1.1 million until 2035. Just fascinating. What are your thoughts on the payroll situation, bro? Uh, I mean, I think that it's just going to be screwed up for a pretty long time. I don't think there's anybody who's going to be able to climb out of what they've dug themselves into over the years. Um, And, you know, however it ends up working out, it works out. But, um, yeah, I think that that whole system is pretty much screwed. Good Good way to put it. I miss how candid you are. We need that sometimes. We need the, yeah, no, things are bad. Things are not yeah. good. And no. that is the CM special. Just, yeah, you know, I, just like your thoughts on San Francisco, but we won't go there again. I Yeah, I love coming on to play devil's advocate from time to time. Um, but, I mean, it's just, they have, yeah. I don't know what, how you... Um, really think that you're you know that they were going to be able to do that whole all of those deals and defer all those contracts or whatever it was um without completely just shooting themselves in the foot um and it by far i mean happened tremendously so they're going to be in some trouble for a little bit now Really quick, we'll talk about we're coming, you know, coming up here on the on our max time for uh, for these team outlooks. But we just, I mean, it's so fascinating with how these teams work. A couple prospects, of any uh, that I think people are very excited about. I personally um, cannot wait for the Drew Gilbert factor to come to New York. I thoroughly have enjoyed watching this kid play baseball. He obviously was a ultra ultra talented player at the University of Tennessee, which kind of he brought that kind of just dirtbag mantra to Tennessee baseball uh, that year where they unfortunately lost against Notre Dame in the Super Regionals. But that was what he has brought, hopefully, to that organization from the farm system standpoint has been significant. It looks like he's obviously had a successful start. But, you know, Jet Williams, you know, Drew Gilbert, Luis Angel and Cunha, what names right now excite you the most out of that farm system? Um, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Drew Gilbert, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, Acuna, even Kevin Parada, Ryan Clifford, they have a lot of good names, but the one that does, I think, excite me the most is Jet Williams. Um, you know, and I, I only say that because I think when he was drafted, there was a lot of question marks for anyone who doesn't know Jet Williams is five foot six and he ranks in at about 170 pounds right now. So, you know, he's like, bigger than Tyler, right? And what's Tyler? Five, four hundred pounds. Um, but Jet Williams for his size, he was really put it all together. He's gotten a little bit bigger. Um, he hit 13 home runs and he stole 45 bases last year. So, um, 70 grade runner, he posts good exit velocities. I think I'm just excited for him to get up 
um, because I think he's a terrific hitter. The thing that I noticed when I looked deeper into his numbers is that he chased 12% of the time. So that means pitches that were outside of the zone. He only swung at 12% of them, which is phenomenal. Like that's excellent play discipline. So um, he clearly is a good hitter. Um, and I think, you know, he'd probably be ready to be in the MLB pretty quickly, but um, what kind of power does he get to? That's, I think, the big question. But I think he knows that. And so, yeah, you know, he seems like he's a smart baseball player. Um, he'll be a speed OBP guy. I, I'm very excited for Jet Williams. I think he's the one that I have my eye on in that system the most. Um, unfortunately, it would have been Ronnie Mauricio, but um, it'll be a while before we see him. Yeah, very unfortunate. Very, very yeah. unfortunate. But yeah. um, CM, anybody on your end, buddy? Um, I think the one name that I really like, it's their number nine prospect right now, Mike Vassell from um, the University of Virginia. He's been out for a couple of years now and uh, a pretty solid arm who fell pretty far in college, um, I mean, to the eighth round. So I guess not terribly too far, but um, good arm who I think could maybe wind up you know, depending on what ends up happening with the back end of that rotation could end up being one of the guys who gets a look during spring training for one of those final spots. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with how kind of limited their, their starting pitching is. Yeah. I would agree with that. They're probably going to give every potential pitcher that they have in their organization a shot. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good call out. And their system overall, you know, they don't have any guys that are like organization changing, right? Like, you know, no Tatises, no, I mean, they have an Acuna, but just not Ronald Acuna. Um, they don't have anything like that, but they have a very deep top 10 or so, right? There's a lot of talent there um, and, and enough to fill out a roster if you have a guy like Pete Alonso or something, you know, a couple big hitters. I think they're going to fill out the rest of their roster just fine over the next few years. Absolutely. All right. Well, to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much. Again, we are dropped a few different segments here, so please tune in for all three. As we talked about all everything in baseball today, we previewed the Red Sox and, of course, this past episode where we previewed the New York Mets. Uh, to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Big Fly Pod. We'll talk to you again here soon.